everyone. Welcome to the Verbal Ramblers podcast, season two, episode eight. You heard that right. It's episode eight. My name is Jamie. We have Mr. Cook. Hi. And Mr. Hatton. We, uh, we had episode nine last week, and so we thought it right, in lieu of an eighth episode, to call this one series two, episode eight, because we didn't do our research before dipping back into the world of podcasting last week and the made fools of ourselves. Being... <laughs> Finding out how many episodes we've done this season. Be picking up our phone and looking yeah. at iTunes. <laughs> um, Mr. Crick isn't with us yet, but he might be later. So everyone cross your fingers. We, we look forward to John's contribution this and every week. Yes. Always, we do. Always. So how is everyone? Everyone all right? Splendid. Pretty it's good. It's been so warm and gorgeous. And this coming from someone from Arizona. It makes me so happy. It makes me feel like my heart is home when I'm baking in the sun. Of course, you realize in Arizona at the moment... Certain parts of Arizona, planes aren't even flying. I know, that's... Planes are grounded because it's above 120 Fahrenheit there. I wonder if anyone still believes that climate change is a hoax. I say, no way, folks, no way. A friend of mine lived in Arizona for a number of years, and, and he said he if he would leave his key out in an area where the sun would get to it, it literally would expand the, the volume of the key and it wouldn't fit in the car. That's how hot it gets in Arizona. It's Everyone like nothing be safe else. out there. Stay hydrated. Yeah. I don't mean to be bar humbug, but I'm going to be. I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. This is, such, this is such a typical English complaint. We can't handle it for too long. And it's just because at this time of year, most of my work's outside because yeah. there's festivals and events and shows. And it's kind of... Should we get you some shorts? Uh, I don't do shorts. That would probably help. I don't do shorts. Don't do shorts, don't do vests, don't do hats. So I'm screwed. You are not a summer man. Cook, I think you should Spend get yourself it. a pair of shorts and a vest and, and just... just Suck it up. Enjoy. Just flaunt it. Just mm. show the world what you got. Absolutely. Definitely not. Because most people who say that they this is great weather, they have the option of walking indoors or outdoors. But when you're in it for hours... Yeah, I can understand And that. then you go back to your black car and then you, and you burn. And then you drive to the next place. It does... I just had enough, all right? We're English. We're not okay, okay. we're not used to this treat. That, <laughs> this big yellow ball of fire in the sky. Mm. In the grade, every day, hot and sunny. What are you, a fucking lizard? Charlie and I just had a, a driving holiday around the north of England. And uh, we discovered two days after we were back that our car has air conditioning. Um, it's because you're English. It is. It's there because is we don't no need air it. conditioning in this country. No. Well, Jamie, you need to. You definitely need to stay in this country, if only for the fact that there's less air conditioning, and air conditioning is terrible for your beautiful voice. So oh, you should definitely stay you. here on this side of the pond, if for no other reason than there's less well, aircon. That swayed me. Anything to declare? Yeah. Don't go to England. Something I'm really happy about with America at the moment is that. You can see that the, the system of government's being tested, and it works, because he just can't come in and take everything backwards. I know he's left the uh, Paris Agreement, but he can't leave. He, he hasn't managed to get the ban through. If Trump was in power here, he could have done ten times yeah. more damage than he well, could I mean, do in got, America. You've got the House of Lords, and you've got the Queen. <laughs> That's such I can't take that seriously. We've got the House of Lords, and we have a Queen, yes. and all the Queen's men. But I mean, we we see this week. And that, I suppose, leads us leads us uh, into a conversation, into, into a into a segue. Uh, we see this week from the Queen's speech that she has opinions that oppose the current political uh, movement in the UK, and it pretty much goes to show that not only can she not do anything about it, it goes to show that she shouldn't really still be here. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. What makes you think that she's being political? 
what apart makes from, me apart from her hat. Well, I mean, the, I put right. Well, first of all, kudos on the uh, on the ensemble because I thought it was fantastic. And well, we should explain that to the listeners quickly because we have a massive international audience of at least thirty-two people. Last time I checked, yes, the Queen goes to Parliament and a dragon comes down and a wizard, and then there's a princess in a tower. And then Prince William has to slay the dragon so we can open Parliament. That's the way it works. For God's sake, is this a country or a renaissance festival? She showed up to stay open in Parliament, not in her usual attire because it was the, the notice of the snap election meant they couldn't do both ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So she showed up in a blue outfit that had, was it daisies? I think it was yellow daisies, wasn't it, in that, on the hat? Uh, yes, I think. I think but it looked suspiciously were. like an EU flag as no. the colours were identical. With the royal family, I don't dislike them as people. If you ever see Harry or William or any of them, they always seem like good, genuine, kind people. It's, it's purely the system that's in play. How can no one in, in, in her entourage, anyone, in that massive building with all those rooms and all her staff and all the security, no one said to her, you do look like an EU flag? Oh, come on. That, no, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a completely different direction here. She clearly, not only was it planned, everybody knew it was planned. She went to make her speech dressed as an EU flag. That's what she did. Come on. There is no coincidence about it. There's no way people didn't know. You look at her, you think she looks like an EU flag. She may as well have just had a picture of Angela Merkel on a sandwich board across her chest and back. And and Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with it. She was making a statement, wasn't she? Her power is so nullified these days that she may as well just be passive-aggressive as opposed to aggressive. Oh, let's not go down that rabbit hole, John. If you do research, the rules have got loads more power than you give them credit for. I mean, as we were saying, Jamie, let's explain state open in the Parliament. Yes, this is fascinating. With the laws, you have your MP, Uh which is one of 650. Sure, sure. And they vote for the law. And then if it passes through Commons, it goes to the Lords. The Lords can't stop the law. They can make it have amendments. Mm-hmm. So what the Lords do is they say, we want you to, uh, we want to, we want you to change this part. Right. And then they'll send it back to the Commons. And sometimes it goes backwards and forwards for ages because yeah. the Commons is really stubborn. Then it passes on and the Queen can have a look at it. And the Royals have the prerogative of blocking law. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, they are the top so of the So they pile. have like veto power. Yes. The House of Lords are not elected. No. No. And no, it used to be much. hereditary. So it used to be your son would then become the Lord of wherever. And now, that I don't think hereditary is allowed anymore. Now it's just people who do the government favours. Pretty much. Because okay. like, the whole like honour system, if you want to know, take away the magic of us having knighthoods. And I mean, it literally sounds like we're talking about a medieval fair today. But <clears throat> with the knighthoods, I agree with my favourite radio host, Nick Abbott's point that they just want to hand it out to their mates. But you have to direct the public's gaze. So they give it to Steve Redgrave. Or they'll yeah. give something to David Beckham or Anton Deck. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, people don't realise that it's actually just them giving them mates favours. And that's how they end up in the Lords. Also, shout out to Ant from Anton Deck. Just got into rehab. Yeah. Respect. Respect. Such a professional. Because <laughs> he was buzzing off his tits the whole time. <laughs> no one knew. That is professionalism. State Open of Parliament is just that the party that's in power, this time the Conservatives, they'll write the Queen's speech and she regurgitates it. That's all it is. So she has no control over how it's done. Not that I'm aware of anyway, unless there's some little secret thing in there. I'm pretty sure that she's just supposed to read it out. But because Conservatives know that everyone hates them, even though they won, everything's gone. Fox hunting's gone. The break so on the, the triple lock's gone. So the took those things out of their own volition to yeah. make themselves look a little bit less nasty? Yeah. Okay. Even if you take Grenfell as an example, 
how can you talk about cuts? I heard someone say today, a local, it was a fire officer, he wasn't there on the first night, she was there in the morning and she said... It's far too uh, early to speculate if the cuts had an effect on this fire. What we do know for sure is that the former mayor, Boris Johnson, the now foreign secretary, in London alone, closed 10 fire stations, removed 600 firefighting jobs and removed 29 fire engines from frontline services. Now, are you telling me that on... In the early hours of Wednesday morning, if those extra firefighters, those extra fire stations and fire engines wouldn't have had an effect Hmm. and be able to save more people. So she can't do it, uh, even just that uh, one event alone, let alone everything else that she went back on. They say you turned on the manifesto in the election, which has never happened before. And then after it, when they did the Queen's speech, removed nearly all of it. And that's never happened before as well. Mm. So it's, it's crazy. Nothing has changed. And they still haven't made a deal with the DUP. No, still, uh, discussion's not going very well at all. Just to, just to stitch back to something that you, that you mentioned about cuts. I learned an amazing thing the other day. One of the schools I work at, which shall remain nameless, large school, large music department. But the budget for the whole year instruments, you know, guitar strings, uh, drumsticks, software, hardware for computers, MacBooks, everything, £1,000. And that wow. includes photocopying, ladies and gentlemen. If you if you had a, a single class, let alone yeah, six, six year groups to, to cater for. That's disgusting. Yeah, previous That's... budgets, 10 times that. Yeah, but this is the this is the situation that we're in politically in the United Kingdom right now is that there's been seven years of cuts whilst also doubling debt. You've got places like Grenfell going up in flames and they were threatening the uh, population with lawsuits for complaining about the fact that the cladding that was put on there was banned. They know that. Yep. They weren't authorised to do the refurb by the council. It was rejected. They did it anyway. There were 16 inspections during the refurb. No one picked up on the fact on the cladding, despite I heard someone say that the residents were complaining because they were smoking cigarettes out of their window and the cherries were falling onto the cladding and catching fire. So people had already complained. Then they put gas boilers in the hallways outside people's flats. Oh my God. And and all the piping. Uninsulated pipe work for the gas that was in there. It, it's crazy. Then they ignored all of it and they threatened them with court action and they penalised them. It's so shocking because it's it's incredible to think that these people didn't think a terrible, tragic disaster was going to happen as a result of all of these compounded mistakes. Yeah. Well, of course, and it was it, it was repeatedly brought up by members of the community, wasn't it? Of that course. Not they I, said I unless it's... they said unless there is a catastrophic loss of life, no one will pay attention. Now there has been. And now there has been. <laughs> And, well, but my point is, is that I could rant on about Grenfell again, um, but I won't. But my point is, is that is the point of no yeah. return. That's to stop. That's the bit where they're just like, well, this can't continue. Can I pause for one moment and ask you something? I started off talking about the Queen's speech, mm-hmm. and we're way miles away from that. But there, there are some stuff from Grenfell that I personally like to delve into. They don't call it's us like, the verbal ramblers for nothing. It's like, is that okay then? Should, I, should we carry on talking about this for a moment? No, or? we've explained the Queen's speech. Yeah. She, showed, okay, up, she showed up dressed as an EU flag. It, the Queen's speech got rid of everything the Conservatives had in there, and... This country's a shambles. I've been very clear that I think we need that period of stability. So regarding the Grenfell Tower cladding um, specifically, I, I had a thought that came to my head immediately when I heard that there'd been a refurb and what the refurb was. And I looked into why the refurb happened. Why being the key? Because 
residents were complaining that it wasn't eco-friendly enough, i.e. that it was letting heat out. So the cladding was apparently a way of keeping heat in. Is that the reason the cladding went up? Because personally, I felt, and I didn't say this no, in the, the first cladding, week. The, I, I mean, sorry to interrupt you and be a know-it-all, but the no, cladding no. did what it did. But one, they chose a cladding that was two pounds cheaper than the fireproof one. The one that they used was known to not be fireproof. And they used a banned cladding. That cladding is yes, banned fan- because yeah. it's flammable. And they've already said, because all the councils are going crazy up and down the land, population of 65 million people with, with dozens of cities and high-rise buildings, they've already found 600 that have the exact same cladding attached to the side of them. Absolutely. 600. My point is, though, why did they put that cladding up? Not, not that specific type of cladding. Don't, let, let, let's not go into that. Why did they put cladding up in the first place? Is it because... They were adhering to the requests of the people in the building and trying to save money and save energy and be green. Or is it because it's in the richest borough in London, okay, and everything around there is pretty and beautiful, except what a lot of people would consider an eyesore of social housing? Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So they put the cladding there to make it look nice, to push the value up for all the other fucking houses. Yeah, of course they do. That is clearly what they've done. And they've used... Cheap cladding, and they've used an excuse of "Look, we're helping. Look, look at us helping the little people, bringing them up. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna we're save gonna the world. Insulate their building. Exactly. We're gonna save the world uh, with this environmental cladding that we're gonna put on, and we're gonna save your your energy bills. And in the same year that they provided a council tax rebate to the people in that area because they had too much money allegedly floating around. No, it's fact. It's a fact. Yeah. They, the people in the people uh, in the surrounding area in uh, was in the Kent? rich in the rich part yeah in the rich in the part, higher Kensington. council tax band received a tax rebate of over a hundred pounds ah. each per person because hey look at us we're at this dynamic forward thinking council we've got this spare money that we're going to give you yeah, back I, in I, the... I forgive me if the number's wrong I'm pretty sure if it's not I'm only out by a few they have a surplus of 132 million pounds in their in their in the council's bank account oh that's so disgusting. The fire started on the 4th, and they said that if you were above the 13th, the fire crews couldn't get there. And that was the, that was the cut-off point. So between 13 and 24, apart from the people who just by luck reacted at the start, they all died. Oh. So there's no way that 79 is the final figure. And I know that I don't want to place bets, but I would say it's not 179. It's not 279. I think something that makes it even more... I don't know, impactful, that you, you were saying it feels like maybe some people would say that it's not as impactful as 9-11, and it's definitely a different kind of tragedy. But I think something that makes it feel so painful is the idea that these people were, like, sleeping in their homes in bed. Yeah. It's not it's not even the outside world. It's, like, where you're supposed to be the safest. I, I saw the saddest thing. Someone said, um, we went around waking people up, and I almost regret... Yeah, I put that oh, sound bite yes. in last week, didn't I? Oh my god, when I heard that, that broke my heart. I had left the room by that point. It was that so sad. We're angry as well as firefighters. Mm. We weren't able to rescue as many people as we mm. wanted to. I've spoken to my colleagues who have told me that they literally mm. had to choose who they were going to rescue and who they were going to leave and die. I spoke to a colleague of mine who was presented with a mother and a daughter. She saved the mother and had to leave the daughter. This is absolutely unacceptable. That fire shouldn't have happened. I, I was thinking actually about the 
the wonderful institution of the NHS that we have in this country and the way that you can be someone who doesn't earn a lot of money and receives tens and indeed hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of help in, in like surgeries cost way more money than people give them credit for and you can you can spend dozens of thousands of pounds on a surgery a hundred thousand pounds plus on one surgical procedure and in this country if you're poor you can do that and I, I love that I think it's I think it's one of the most impressive um, uh, institutions that we that we have as a country in the in the whole history of the country what's such a shame here is that the same can't be said for building regulation because you don't have that safety net of if you live in a very very deprived area in a in a you know let's let's call it a no frills building you would imagine that there's going to be a a, a foundation of safety level there but this if just goes to else. show if nothing else absolutely if if nothing else if you if you don't have that things like we're not talking wi-fi and like boiling water on tap and like posh building stuff that you know all the mod all the mod cons we're talking about fundamentals of safety here and i thought we're a country we've got the nhs we're this forward-thinking social socially brilliant country that can help people when they need it but we're not this no. is this this is this is an example of basically if you don't have enough money you're not gonna you're not gonna thrive because this is why they do public inquiries. This is a great tradition we should introduce you, Jamie, because what happens is is they bury it for decades and they hope that the old people die and the other, and some people move on and the young forget. Yeah, well, you wait for it to be, to not be trendy and uh, within the immediate sort of compassion of the country. Mm. Uh, you wait you wait for that to, to die off and it's all... It's PR, isn't it? It's basic PR. I think, yeah... I'm going to sum up my anger. I mean it in a not well. Do I mean it metaphorically? When they knock Grenfell down after they've removed the incinerated corpses from it, if they stick a, 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 a gentrified high rise there, then people should go to Parliament and burn the fucking thing down because there will be anarchy if they do that. And if there isn't, then there should be. I'd be shocked if they did. This will either be a memorial or an example of what social housing can be. It will be a project that, let's face it, it won't be short of a few bob. It's going to be something that they're going to use as, a, as an example, as an argument for the government, essentially. You always have an instinct to help. Could you imagine what it would be like if you don't, you don't live there, you live nearby, you hear screams, you go around there, and there's no sound bites that I played, from, played last week, and you can see people in there and there's absolutely nothing you can do about yeah. it. But then imagine you're a firefighter Mm. and you can't do anything about it they are the heroes like they're supposed to be there to rescue people and people said i was worried and the fire crews arrived and then i thought it was okay and i went back indoors and then i heard more screaming and i went outside and the whole building was on fire so for them imagine what it's going to do to them as well and there was a point as well where they had to scale all of the fire services back um and just leave it just leave and it can you imagine being let's let's say you're the you know the the head honcho of an entire fire service and you have to make that call of get everybody out get all of the fight get the fire crew out well you touched on this earlier but it's such a reflection of the danger of austerity not just with the government but just general tight-fistedness especially obviously when it comes to social housing and accommodating lower income people it's dangerous it's not it's, I feel like it's not something to play around with and say, oh, austerity is going to save us, because obviously it hasn't economically, and it hasn't literally. We hear talk of extra police officers on the street. They're not extra. 
their offices that have had their rare leave days cancelled. They've had their 12-hour shifts that are now done routinely extended to 16 hours. They're being drawn from other areas. They're not extra officers at all. They're from other duties and they're being burned out. Can I, can I just digress slightly? Can I just moan about Corbyn? I know it doesn't happen that often. Please do. I'm going to fill it into Still a paragraph. Waiting. Something I didn't mention last week is that if he keeps offering me stuff, I'm going to stop voting for him, okay? Because every time during the election, this is something I didn't complain about, you need to stop telling people you're going to give them shit because it's like coming around a friend's house who's super rich and he's going, do you want that Xbox? Do you want, do you want, that, do you want that board game up there? Do you want to, do you want to like, have a spare room or something? It was just like it was a saturation of it. And they keep talking about it now, and it's kind of grating on me a little bit, because I'm like, are you just going to give everyone exactly what they want all the time ever? Is that your plan? Because... That's uh, my gripe about Corbyn. That's not going to happen. But I, I just tipped over this point, where I was like, all right, shut up now. Just, just please, I actually want... Can you just cut something for me? Just cut something to balance it out. That's my, that's my gripe about Corbyn. It just so happens that that's the least worrying of any gripes I have with any other political uh, parties... Because the others absolutely terrified me. So, so but I just thought, well, you know, if Corbyn can do 20% of what he says he's going to do, then let's, let's vote Corbyn in. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably end up having another election next year anyway, and uh, he may well end up in power. But we have to have an alternative to the current system because it doesn't work. I'm not saying that Corbyn is it, but I feel that the, the swing, the move left is inevitable. And to the older generations, they're terrified of it. Hmm. It is interesting how older people see anything on the left as socialism like uh, a lovely adult whom shall rename, remain nameless always calls any liberal policy any liberal politics all labor policies socialism which is not it's not the same thing we're not a socialist country and and I don't think labor's policies are are supporting the idea of becoming a socialist country. But I do, th I think moving in that direction is very positive, but it's very funny. There's tons of fear among the older generation. We've got John with us. John's here. Mr. Crick. Yay. Hello. Hello. John is John. Oh, no offense, John Hatton, but this is my favorite John. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. It's I'm just like him. a bolt through my heart. Unbelievable. Oh. It's because I've got an extra H. I told you years ago. What are you doing yeah, without a silent H? I'm not Johan. But that's him. Yes. Because he's John and he's John. They're different. John. John. It's I hear John, the difference. John. <laughs> There's, there, is, there is a difference. John. I, I hear it. John. John. He's John. John. Is this part of the podcast? Yeah, of course it Live is. is. What's happened without <laughs> me, guys? That was not interesting. Yeah. We were just talking about how... <laughs> so many things. We'll move on, but the point I was making just before you come in, was that with AI, robots, everything else we've talked through past episodes, how can you not go left? I agree with you, Cook. Uh, very wise to say, if we don't move left, we we will fail as a species because people, there, there isn't going to be enough work to sustain everybody. Uh, we need to be working less and figuring out what we're going to do with the rest of our time, you know, so it doesn't impede our mental health so I think a lean, leaning to the left is the most sensible um, thing. Wealth inequality is becoming more and more transparently the biggest issue that we face as humans, as, along with climate change, but that's hard for our feeble minds to get around. But 
wealth inequality, once people start to realise, from the far right and the far left, they're starting to realise that the common evil might not be the things that we've been told, the immigrants or whatever. Maybe it's actually a, a wealth inequality that has just gotten way out of hand and is at the centre of nearly all of our problems, I've, I think. But it's interesting you say that, because just before you arrived, we were discussing about how, to me, Grenfell is the catalyst of change when it comes to class. And, Chris Cook, if you happen to have an American wife, the government would deem you not rich enough to sustain your wife living in this country with yeah. you, and you wouldn't be able to live here with your wife. Or if that's you had an insane. American husband. Yeah, well... But in our case, it's a wife, that's me. So that means, that's an interesting point, because that means that if you're earning national minimum wage, or even the living wage, as they call it now, to sound more impressive, you don't earn that amount a year. So if you're no, someone... It's, a human, it's really a human rights issue, this, this immigration thing, because it prices out anyone who's poor. Yeah. Of so course. you can't have an American wife... If you're poor. If you're poor. Or you, or you have to get out of the country. Look, there's a lot you can't do. Let's face it. Let's not mean so much. There's a lot you can't do if you're poor. You can't live in a safe building. You can't marry someone from another country. There's, there's a lot of things that you, you're, you're restricted for choice. Money is choice. Money, money brings choices and, 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 and it removes burdens. It's, there's, have you ever seen the happiness studies where your happiness goes up and up and up until you reach... A level income. income which is about forty or fifty grand, yeah, maybe I think you... it's actually thirty thousand pounds, something like that. And then happiness, there's no correlation at all with how rich or you are or how happy you are. We as humans need enough to lift burdens, and then after that, uh, we we don't need any more. We're just told we we need more. The, the problem though there is to. Be to, to, I sound like really left leaning today, I suppose, but the problem there is capitalism. It's a it's a competition. Who can get the most money? And some people are obsessed with that competition. That's one of the reasons. Well, that and just corporate growth is one of the reasons that that, that wealth inequality is a huge mm. a huge problem these days. But Paul Mason, my one of my favourite reporters. I saw a piece he did the other day, I'll insert it, and he was talking about how in 50 years capitalism will not exist because the system that is in place is so utterly flawed that it will collapse. And I've heard people band this around, but he explained. If you suppress wages, destroy the bargaining power of the workforce and then expand the money supply without end, you create a cycle of booms and busts. And every bust wipes out a bit of the welfare state and no bust ever properly wipes out the debts. The issue is, is all the people that are in those institutions that profit from it now are the ones who need to stop it. So you're trying to get the cigarette companies to ban smoking. The problem is people will hear us talking and they'll think, oh, commies, socialists. They think there's no gap between Yeah, the well, that's what ridiculous... we were talking about right before you came in. Oh, well, I'm great. sorry. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. But like, there's no, they think there's no gap between far-left socialism and communism and what we've got at the moment. And there's a huge gap. There's so much you can do. Do you know who filled that gap? The other Miliband. The other Miliband, David Miliband. Well, Jeremy Corbyn fills that gap. He's not the crazy communist that the sun have you believe, is he? Everything in that manifesto, nothing was crazy. And that's why people liked it. They were like, oh, this isn't the Corbyn I was told about. This is fine. I was reading recently about how communism is a replacement of religion. So um, the American government weren't just terrified of the concept of losing capitalism to communism, it was losing Christianity to communism. 
And so they put it in that light. So it's really easy to convince the American population. Here in a country where we bail out the banks and we've got the NHS and we have tax credits and we have housing benefits and we have child tax credits... The idea that we're not that way, leaning that way already, is just is crazy. That's what I mean. It's gradually there's there's leftist elements mixing into society more and more, and it's becoming more and more acceptable to have left wing views and to have left wing policies, even within the right. Because if you look at what the conservatives have done, there are there's a correlation there, and it just goes to show that actually. It doesn't. It's not as simple as left and right these days. It's a spectrum, and you uh, and you borrow from different elements of different areas of the spectrum. Sometimes when there's not a, uh, if people haven't got a strong opinion on something, they rely on their camp. And they're like, oh, how should we feel about this? Oh yeah, gays are bad. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, gays are bad. Most people just go around nodding to the last opinion they heard, don't they? I agree. It's true, though. It's so. We can be so easily convinced, and you have to always you can you can never be a hundred percent sure on anything. You have to always be willing to think critically, move your yeah. opinions. Mm. The trouble is now, if you look at basic, like if you look at the media that people are exposed to, it's really hard to form a an opinion that isn't already bought and paid for. An example, I like, take Corbyn for an example. I'm I'm now under no doubt that some very powerful people decided they didn't like Jeremy Corbyn and they were going to paint a picture that, 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 that damaged Corbyn's reputation. But I think it's even more subtle sometimes because, for instance, on question time, when they were doing the questions to the leaders with Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn, they wanted to know about Jeremy Corbyn's past with the IRA. But no one asked about Theresa May selling Saudi Arabia weapons. Yeah. Right now, we are selling weapons to a country that is spreading Wahhabism around the world while we sell them weapons that they're using to commit genocide against Yemen. It's, it just goes back to that Mitchell and Webb quit clip. Are, are we the, are we are the we baddies? baddies? Yeah. <laughs> Please note, verbal ramblers may cause drowsiness, vomiting, episodes of rage, melancholy, mild amusement, mild bemusement, piles and piles of piles, weekend nausea and cravings of tarragon. Do not take verbal ramblers if you have fascist tendencies. Please consult a therapist before listening. Right, guys, I don't really know where I'm going with this, so I'm just going to try and we'll see what happens. Just do some riffing. But I was I was at a race course today. Horse racing. A horse racing course. Mm. It was Ladies' Day. And I was photographing it for a local newspaper. And I covered it last year and I had the same thought, so I wanted to share it with you. And that's... The, they're, they're really horny. It's the horses. A, the women. It's really peculiar. <laughs> I got. I went there last year about four hours into the day. I think the day's about eight hours. Yeah. So people go, they get all dressed up with their fancy hats and their fancy outfits and they go and they have a flutter on horses and they drink pims and eat strawberries and get pissed. And it all goes a little bit fight club towards the end, I imagine. Uh, I've never stayed that long. So last year I went about four hours in and I had women grabbing my arms, um, kissing me on the cheek, sticking their arm around me. So this year I thought I'm going to go a bit earlier because although that sounds like a treat... Most of the women, you wouldn't want them to do that. So this year, I thought I'd go earlier, and it made no difference. I showed you guys a picture, didn't I, just before we started recording. I went up to these three really dressed, beautiful girls. I said, do you mind if I take your picture for the paper? They said, yeah, sure. And then they said, they're definitely going to use it. And I said, well, I don't get, I'm not the editor, so I don't get to choose, but I just send them over. And she went, well, what if we did something naughty? Would they use them then? And I was like, well, like what? And there was a, like a beamer 
that was a prize and something that was next to them. So they just went and just bent over the beamer for me to take a picture. And I was like, do you really want me to take this for the newspaper? And they were like, yeah, go for it. Are you sure it's not just that you're fundamentally irresistible to women? Uh, no, as my history will uh, confirm. Was it a hot day? They, I think, in all seriousness, I, I my only theory can be that it's because there aren't that many men. So it's not as if I go from a five to a six because there's no men, but I mean that they're kind of like let their guard down a bit because everyone around them is female, so they can kind of uh, relax a bit. So they become a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more open, because they weren't that drunk. What do you think? I, I think that's an interesting idea that they maybe let their guard down in that situation because they're they feel like there's no gender divide in that setting, which is probably, well, I could say, yeah, that's pretty relaxing. But I, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe... Why do women get horny around Chris Cook, James? Oh, James? I just... Be careful what you say. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, but here's the thing. I've done V Festival, which is people getting drunk, dressing up, looking good, going out to enjoy music. They don't behave. People people don't behave in that percentage there. Well, and I offer a theory. Yeah. Women at the race course, they get really dressed up in their best stuff all year, and then they get shit faced. So they're like, I look good. And I'm pissed. And I feel good, yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm sexy and I'm gonna go and tell it to all the men I can, even I, that guy with the camera over I there. I think that's very astute just feeling like in, in that setting. I've never been to the races and I, I don't care to go. Um, but I could understand that getting super dressed up and like going to something fancy and really fun with your with your lady buddies would be a setting where you just Feel really confident and good about yourself. And don't sell yourself short, Cook. You're charming. Thanks. Mm. I am very pro-women as well. But <laughs> they, but I think that if you was to remove... Because it's, it is 99% females there. I think if you was to remove half of them and, and have 50-50 men and women, even if they you weren't with your partner, so boy groups went and girl, and girl groups went, just friends, I don't think the behaviour would be the same. No, absolutely there, not. There's something that I I witness because I'm one of the 1% that's in there. Yeah, you that, need to be a fly on the wall in a lot of situations. Yeah, but they're kind of reacting to you uh, in a way that's because of the absence of men. That's my theory, that mm-hmm. because they can let themselves down and they don't... Because it isn't as if they're farting and burping and they haven't bothered to wash that day because there's no men around. It's the opposite. They look the best that they're probably going to look all year. They're wearing hundreds, hats that's worth hundreds of pounds, really nice dresses. They smell amazing. They've got all their makeup. They probably had their hair done before they've even gone quite a few of them. But it's definitely a higher percentage of heightened female sex drive at that race course than anywhere else. I have, I have a story. I have a theory on this. Could it be... I, I was at a party once in London... At this swanky nice place. For the for the purpose of the podcast, the smirk on John's face right now is colossal. Right. So I, I was at this party. There was a guy in the middle of the room making a complete spectacle of himself. Um, just very eccentric and an and outgoing guy. And everybody kind of was waiting to see what the next funny thing he did was. And a mate of mine, I'm sitting sitting down having a, having a drink with a, a friend. And he said to me, watch what happens when he leaves. Because he's got to go in a minute. Watch what happens when he leaves. Someone will take his place. Someone will end up doing something else. This guy goes, within half an hour, another guy at the party, 
complete everybody's looking at what he's doing he's the focus of everything could it be that in the absence of a more to your point about this ladies day in the absence of a more <sighs> ostentatious sexuality which blokes exude in the absence of that there's more room they're filling a void mm. see women women aren't to be outdone necessarily but blokes have a more blokes have a sexuality that maybe is put out there conventionally more so in the absence of that, there's a there's a gap to be filled, and then women could can be more outgoing in their sexuality. That's an interesting theory. Can I just say that I think it's really funny, myself included, that we're all sitting around being like, "What could it be? These mysterious, <laughs> these mysterious beings." Me too, though. Like I I don't know the answer. It's not yeah, the because... horses, though, is it? It's definitely not. No, the horses. I think it's the ladies. Oh, it's well. all the giant horse wangers, John. <laughs> it's. Pretty impressive. I, I did say to someone, I did pass on some good knowledge from that today, actually. These, I took the, the picture of these three girls and one of them said, so what horse are we going to bet on? And I just got a flashback. I might have mentioned it last series and one of the first episodes about how on a lunch break working for Weatherspoons, two blokes walked past me into a bookies and as one of them went in there, his mate was smoking a fag and he just went, bet on the one with the biggest dick. <laughs> so I, I told this woman... But that's what you should, what she should do. And she looked at me, smiled, and went, "I was told to uh, bet on the one who wasn't had a poo." <laughs> Where's like all these, where have all these fables come from? There's there's a guy on on uh, Twitter who assesses whenever uh, whenever there's an MMA fight, whenever there's an MMA fight, when they weigh in the day before, they're in their underwear, so you can see who has the larger uh, manhood of the two. And let's face it, it's a predominantly male sport. According to what this guy on Twitter calls hog analysis, the man with the more, uh, the larger member wins. And he has science to prove statistically that that is the case. Can <laughs> so you, you can argue. Can you get me a picture of McGregor's cock? <laughs> Stat, please, <laughs> so we can figure this out. Here's, my, here's where I'm perplexed. I know you quite well now, Jamie. I know how you are, your personality. If you was to get dragged to a ladies' day tomorrow, mm-hmm. I don't think that would change in you from how I know you. I don't think you would go into that environment and then it would change how confident you were in that way. Even if you looked a million dollars and you feel great, I don't think that would make your behaviour different. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I I think there's something interesting to Hatton's point of sort of having more space to express that side of oneself maybe in the absence of the the very large and and in your face sexuality of men which sometimes can make sometimes makes women feel slightly victimized or or that there's a potential to be victimized not always maybe that's it then maybe that's maybe you've hit the nail on the head maybe it's because by removing the men the power is all in the women. Exactly. So there's then, if the you then insert, if you insert one male me into a bunch of girls, and they're surrounded by girls, and the you whole event is for the girls, then yeah. the power is taken away. So maybe that's what it is. So I then think it makes that is what it is. Fun. It's about power. Sex is power. Sex is all and about power. And to the, to a lot of people, those days are like highlight of the year. I'm getting shit faced and let my hair down. That's. But like, I was there early though. That's why I don't. That's why last year I wouldn't have brought it up because I thought it was. Uh, it was alcohol related but this time I was there half hour after it opened mm. by the way talking about one year it's our one year anniversary yes 
It is. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Since we were in this room talking about Brexit and John was saying, should I stay or should I go? And now he's... You're very uh, sure that Remain was the right thing. Absolutely. I was looking. I was thinking back. You were very on the fence back then. I was. I was now really, really on the convinced fence, yeah. that it's a terrible decision. You were sitting in, in that exact chair as well. I was. Yeah. When I was. when history was made. On the fence in the chair. Yeah. yeah. So we've managed to convince John through this podcast through a conspiracy to go be in a Remainer Labour Corbynite. Yeah. <laughs> Not Corbynite. I take that back. No, 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 no. I, I, it. it it basically has trended in that direction for me. It just goes to show, really, that... Um, you do believe the last thing you were told. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Cook. If we've, we've done one good thing this year, Cook, this is it. Yeah, we brainwashed Hatton. Beautiful. To, to Beautiful. just stitch it back to the Ladies' Day, to Ladies' Day, which I love that name, by the way, Ladies' Day. Yeah, when phenomenal. you told me that earlier, I had no idea what you could possibly mean by Ladies' Day. It's just not a thing I've ever heard of. Ladies' Day. Blokes, right... I'm just going to put this out there. I don't know how this is going to sound. Blokes have penises, don't they? This they do, a, yeah. This is a thing we universally accept. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Penises are inherently... Grotesque. Well, Long. Uh, okay. Uh, and n- not necessarily, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's go with this. A, a penis in itself is it's symbolic, isn't it? And it's also, it's also very out there. It's not, it's not internalised, it's externalised. And that is, I think, one of the reasons that blokes are the way they are, and that's probably why cat, one of the reasons catcalling happens the way it happens because we're the ones we're the ones putting on the display, aren't we? Like the, the peacocking. Yeah. Well, we put the cock in peacocking. That does, um, on a very in a very general sense, have a big impact on gender dynamics. I mean, partly. A lot of this is socialized too, but but I, I do think part of it is the penis yeah. just taking up more space in the world. Like if you walk down a street, or I used to talk with my friend uh, John Jacob on the cruise ship a lot about walking down the I ninety five, which is the crew hallway on deck one. It's it's fairly wide. There's always people going back and forth, and you know, very busy carrying things, whatever. That is a, a prime place to see. Men walking in a straight line through the middle of the hallway and women skirting around to get out of their way. Um, it, it happens in other places too. and that's, I mean, it's not completely universal, but, but I do think that has something to do with the anatomy as well. <laughs> I honestly think it does. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, think it, I think it plays a part. Although there's obviously a spectrum. Gender and sex aren't, aren't necessarily the same, so we're... Oh well, that that's another podcast altogether. So maybe your maybe your points connected is a coalition of correctness. There you go. Mm-hmm. You can keep that one. Which could be abbreviated to cock. It can. <laughs> yeah. We're such be- we just we just we don't even have to think this stuff up anymore. It just happens. <laughs> maybe you're both right. Then maybe I think. Let's let, let's face it. A, a penis is designed to penetrate. It's designed to. It's designed to. Uh, oh, I was just talking about Ladies' Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it speaks to. It does speak to. I think the outgoing disposition of the typical male is is to do with the fact that 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 is its function. Yeah, but then you can. But that that could be a, a, a thousand conversations though, because I don't, I, I could never date a girl that was a pushover. Mm. I could never have one that was just like, oh yeah, you're so right, darling. Let's do that all the time. That would, I'd hate that. I want someone who's they've got to be either they've got to be equally smart, a little bit smarter, and <laughs> definitely more rational. That I believe speaks to a, a broader point that the social elements of gender and what's associated with gender 
are mixing and it's becoming more and more acceptable to there there's there's not any the classic effeminate or classic masculine elements are mixing together to form a broader spectrum it doesn't just have to be that the bloke goes out to work anymore and the woman stays yeah. at home and looks after the kids no yes that's correct but we we're going too far field now in the, in that race course dynamic i think that we should conclude by saying that i think your both your theories are right you take all the men out of that environment, then you put girls in there looking their best, and then you just put in a few males, and then, and then their behaviour changes because they are in the driving seat, they are in control, and so that's probably what it is. I think that's a good explanation. And then, later on, they're drunk as well, which just adds to it. But. Yeah. For any, any ladies' day ladies, get in contact and let us know why you're so horny. Yes, we've, <laughs> we've spent uh, so, many, so many minutes pondering the mysteries of ladies' day. John's Angry Rants. Sequels. Sequels of, of... Specifically, we're going to use films as an example. I'm not sure if I like sequels. In fact, I'm fairly certain I don't like sequels, mostly because... Generally speaking, if you're onto something good, it's made. It's then made a lot of money, and they want to make a load more money out of it. That's where sequels start to fall down for me. It doesn't really necessarily even matter how the sequel is constructed. It's just make something, make some more money out of this thing. We've done a thing. It's a good thing. Let's make some more money out of it. But even if it's done well, well, name. Can you like? I can name a bunch of sequels that weren't as good as the first. Film. There are very few films where the sequels have exceeded the original. I'll give you a couple of examples where I feel like the sequel has exceeded the, the original. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Absolutely incredible film, front to back. But then again, Terminator has several other inferior sequels, doesn't it? You son of a bitch. I know what you mean, Hatton. I get annoyed when I can tell you see right through something. You're like, this was not... This is not for storytelling. This is not to further the plot. You know, yeah. like, I, I know what you mean. Let's, let's, go, let's, let's, let's get to the heart of this, John. Sorry, yes, carry on. There well, must be something in your brain right now, a certain title of a certain film that is, that's pierced your brain to make you go into this angry round. Well, as, as, as to... Um, What's the epicentre? What's the hypercentre? Of, uh, what, what is the epitome of bad sequels? Dumb and Dumberer? Yeah, that, that was a prequel. Home Alone, Home Alone Three, <laughs> Home Alone Two though is a sequel. No, Home, Home Alone Two, Home Alone Two. This is this was just to your point, John. Exactly what I was just about to say. Home Alone Three and Four are yeah, awful. but no one watches Disgusting. them and they get forgotten about. It's right? Fine. No, see, no, I'm on your side here, John, because you cannot change, you cannot increase the the plot, the world of something, even if you never see it, they still ruined it. I agree. Dumb and Dumber Two that came out a couple of years ago. Dumb and Dumber 1, by the way, is my favourite film ever. It's the greatest, it's greatest movie. Mark! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Bird! Yeah! 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 Dumb and Dumber 2, I went to see with Jamie. I made Jamie come. I made her watch the original with me. Oh, and I like the original. It's amazing, but the second one wasn't great, but I still enjoyed just being in the pro- company of Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn for an hour and a half. But, see, I'm, I'm, we're on... Both have you ever seen Free Willy 2 or Free Willy 3? I think I might have when I was a kid. Did you know there was a Free Willy 3? <laughs> have you seen Godfather 2? If you didn't like sequels, you would never have Godfather 2 and you would never have Toy Story 3. Then... Not by Hard with Avengers. Okay, yeah. so th- look, okay, th- this, this speaks to... Basically, the problem here is money. The problem here is when a film makes money, isn't it? Because when a film makes money, they go, okay, well, this is great. Let's not just keep this as a one-time thing. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get more blood out of the stone. Are we going to have a problem? 
again. Bands do it. And the unfortunate thing with bands is, is that they're different because they're not trying to... They want to make money, obviously, but you want to do your pursuit as an artist. But you've only got so much in your head. But you listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers and Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic or Californication or By The Way, you can understand their existence. But we all kind of know when they cross that line into Stadium Arcadium. You kind of know that point. We'll call it the or, point of Stadium Arcadium. Right, yeah. yeah but, maybe, but you would never want someone like Chili Peppers to ever stop creating, even if they were creating, creating bad, because it's not all... People have this misnomer that it has to be for us, but the creative journey is for the artists as well. And if they're enjoying it and loving it, then... I see To my point about acting jobs, it's also jobs for writers, jobs for directors. I, I know that's a totally different thing than what you were saying, which is so beautiful and true about the art being for the artist. Um, but it's also just like good, good work, creating work for artists, which I think is important. And I if also... some idiot's going to buy it, then why not, mate? But it's got to be good. It, but I, I kind of agree with you, but th- that's... I mean, I. I mean, that is a really extreme example. But now we're talking about keeping Trident, so they've got something to do. <laughs> that's that. Yeah. That's how I feel. I know that's another like extreme no, level. I, I understand. I love John McClane. Okay, John McClane. All he wants to do is be with his wife at Christmas. And go <laughs> to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Die Hard with a Vengeance. That wouldn't exist without sequels. But we know that from that point on. We all watched four and went. Mm. And we've and everyone has that little bit. Even if you found it entertaining, you still, we all reached that point where you can tell they've gone past the point of no return. Yeah, yeah but they, a, new black a lot girl. of the time I think they know it too, but they're often under contracts with this stuff. And, oh, of course. And well, it, it is a business and it's, it's capitalism and it's not, it's not, not perfect, but every, but a lot of people do love these. People go and watch Fast and Furious 7. That tells you everything you need to know. The fate of the Furious, is it? Or... I've never seen a Fast and the Furious film, and I'm strangely proud of it. You've seen 40 films, though. Only about 40 films. <laughs> Don't have the best attention span in the world. Although I will say this, just to go to show, isn't it? It's all, I mean, obviously, filmmaking is about generating more money than you spend on making the film, and just having more money. But Die Hard 3, not actually an original Die Hard. It was written as a standalone film, and the Die Hard people thought, ooh, We'll have that. Yeah, well, it's and an incredible film. But it, it is amazing. It's... How's it work? You know how to shoot a gun? Look, our brothers don't know how to shoot guns, you racist motherfucker. Sue me. As I say, we all have our different tastes. You could say that Die Hard is awful, but if you got someone who hated the Die Hard films and sat them down, they would get to the fourth and they'd go, yeah, all right, you've crossed the line now. What is this shit? <laughs> and you can tell that moment with you things. Jump the shark. Greenwing did it. I love Greenwing, the TV series. And, the, and something to be proud of as an Englishman is that we are good at ending things. The English are good yes, at ending things. like The Office. Like The Office, yeah. We could not end The Office. Yeah, was it like 180 episodes or something? And, and then the main guy, Steve Carell, quit. They went, oh, I don't matter. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, but they did that with Scrubs as well, didn't they? Everyone left Scrubs <laughs> and uh, they just replaced everyone. But with Greenwing, they did the two seasons. It was brilliant. It ended really well. And then they did a special and ruined the whole show. And whenever anyone used to say to me, I've just started watching Greenwing. I used to say, look them in the eye. I say, do not watch the last episode. But the English are quite good at avoiding it. Not, not in every case, though. I mean, you know, I give you Red Dwarf. 
That should yeah. have ended about seven <laughs> series before it did. But once again, it ended. It did end. And then someone dug up its corpse and, they, <laughs> and then and wrung it out yeah. and started shaking it to see if there's any money inside Nostalgia. it. That's what they do. Yeah. Oh, we're in Coronation Street, which is funny because the bloke who's in that is also in Coronation Street. Way <laughs> This crap. Look how edgy we are. Mm. Yes. So... Same. Sequel, uh, yeah, I think sequels are fine if you have what you want to do in mind. Well, I respectfully cook. These are John's angry rants. They so are. what matters is John's angry rants. Well, when when money controls a hundred percent of a film and a film a film process, that's when I have an issue with it. What I love is when. The art is at the epicenter, like so that that's what the distinction is. Money, se- tell, money you... sequels is my there issue. Yeah. Money sequels. Money you know sequels bad. Art sequels good. Go ahead. Money prequels. Oh. oh well, I mean the ultimate sequel is the prequel now, isn't it? Prequels are, are such a waste of time for me. It's like I know where this ends up because I watched the start of the first film and I'm <laughs> bored already. I don't care. Yeah, pre- I've never seen a good prequel. Fair, good. fair enough. A no, good prequel. It's in a good prequel. Wow. Anyway. But you can see at the heart of it, I, I, I do accept your rant, John. I do agree with you whole, wholeheartedly, but I think it is dependent on... You can tell, like, a great one for me was they did um, the reunion of American Pie. Mm. I love American Pie films. I love the characters. They're brilliant. I mean, the fact that Shannon Elizabeth, when you're, like, 14 years old, is quite a sight to behold anyway. But the... They're great films, and they did the reunion, and I thought it was going to be awful, and it was fantastic. But it's because there was a heart to it. When you watched it, you could tell. Yeah, were, I, I know what you mean. The nostalgia was there. They used they even subtly used the songs from like Mutt uh, Green oh, Day. Okay. Mutt Green Day. Uh, sorry, Mutt Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, sorry, Mutt uh, Blink One Eighty Two. Would always go down in history because they played that tune when he's running between her yes. and the and the other house with yeah. the webcams you could tell there was a heart to that mm. but as you say that was purely just because they thought there might be some of us still alive <laughs> to go and watch uh, who knew the original American Pie you'd be able to tell wouldn't you yeah it's money sequels that I have an issue with it's like flogging a dead horse for yeah. the sake of another paycheck you could have fucking said that at the start we could have saved 10 yeah. minutes <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting happy happy jam news my happy news this week is not very specific or pinpointed, um, but more of a reflection of what I've been seeing in my social media bubble, which is making me really jazzed. So there's all this nasty bullshit going on with the new uh, Health Care Act being bandied around in Congress, and I'm just really heartened and happy seeing so many people, particularly young women, not that uh, young men should be in any way discounted or discouraged from engaging in the political process. But I'm really heartened to see how many people I know uh, are calling their senators and calling their congressmen and uh, congresspeople and saying, this is ridiculous. (laughs) You're like a a PC maniac. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I just love the way that you managed to put jazz followed by bullshit. I was like, oh, jazz is so sweet. Bullshit, there we go. I just, I, I'm so proud of and inspired by the people I see in my life 
making the effort to call their legislators and call bullshit on what's going on. And I want to encourage everybody to engage that fully in the politi- in the political process because it's our democratic duty. And it truly is bullshit. This American Healthcare Act, they've called it... The they A-H-C-A. changed Affordable <laughs> to American <laughs> yes. to try and dupe stupid patriotic people, and it's worked. So it is literally taking 800 billion from medicaid planned parenthood and giving it to the richest in america as if they have their wealth inequality isn't the worst in the whole entire world it's absolutely insane and it should be condemned by all corners of the earth yes so happy happy (laughs) keep keep calling your legislators and telling them how you feel about this get involved get involved it's important and so happy happy jam news is seeing people engage instead of disengage when they see horribly disheartening things going on yeah but it's great that also, I'd like to piggyback on there and saying that, as I said earlier, it's great that the US system allows that to happen and puts can put the brakes on things like that because he, I don't think he's going to get to where he wants to get with it. I don't think he will, with or without support uh, or pressure from the public. But over here, we don't have that, do we? Mm. You can't... Like you say to me, I don't like what they're doing to the NHS, I want to do something about it. The systems in America do not exist here at all. You can go to Speaker's Corner or you can ring up and book a march you have to book a march. It's like we have the right to protest as long as you make an appointment. <laughs> you have the right say, though, to make an appointment. Something that's cool about this country, and I think part of it is just that it's smaller, <laughs> a smaller amount of people, is seeing question time and seeing all these town hall meetings because we don't have as much of that in America because it's a gigantic country. We have definitely local local government and you can go and engage in local government um and and maybe at the city and state level too but it's it's much more difficult to engage with uh your your legislators on a federal level it's great with america it's it's great with question time that that happens and because they tour around to different places it's really cool but i've been to at least a dozen meetings at councils in the last 12 months and the public nearly never get nowhere with any of them. Mm. I covered a story the other day. It was really nice. They did three protests on their streets, two housing developments and potholes. They won the potholes and they won the second housing development. They lost the other one. So two out of three, as Meatloaf would say, is not bad. Just uh, as a random aside, for people like me who, who for whatever reason, choose not to take in media by the written word, it's a brilliant way to access politics. Because if it weren't for programmes like... Newsnight, Question Time, The Andrew Marr Show, I wouldn't be able to get half of the politics that I choose to feed myself with on a weekly basis. I know you've been waiting all night for Black Belt and Bullshit, and now you're on your phone. I don't even no, know what no, to I'm, say. I'm all yours, baby. Hit it. You're going to join in, aren't you? Um, yeah, I'm going to piggyback. Mine's really short, and it's the opposite end of how it was last week, because I just want to have a quick moan about Square Enix and this bloody Final Fantasy VII remake, because they're utter, utter bastards. I don't need to touch on what we talked about last time, all those months ago, about how they're just pissing the entire history of that game up the wall. I had a little Google the last few months, and there's nothing. There's no extra trailers. There's no interviews with the directors or the producers. There's no teasers. There's nothing. So I assumed, with E3 coming up, two years since they announced that they're even going to remake the game, I thought oh, maybe there's going to be a big media dump, a big blitz. They're going to show us. They're going to show us the combat system because there's been a short little bits leaked and shown online where you can see the battle system, you can see the menus and things. It gets to the end of the uh, weekend and there's no Final Fantasy. 
Two years. Okay, you announce you're going to make a game, even if it's not a remake. Imagine you announced that you were going to make a game, a brand new game, and then for two years said, fuck all about it. <laughs> you're like, this is going to be the most amazing game ever. And there's nothing. There's, what? there's nothing. Money sequel. Money <laughs> no, sequel. it's not money sequel, John. It's they, not. Might be, they might have tried to make it and it's absolutely rubbish and they're panicking and they don't know what to do. You, John, you yes. want to join in? I've got some bullshit. All right. It's, it's to do with our man. Hello. But there's some news come out tonight I think we should be aware of. Go ahead. So a month ago, Donald Trump come out. He fired Comey, right? FBI director. And then he said... Comey better hope there are no tapes of our conversations, okay? Suggesting that he might have been recording him, and to which Comey says, awesome, I'm not the liar, bring it on. So tonight, Donald Trump has been asked several times the last month, like, where are the tapes, are there tapes? He's just saying, I'll tell you soon, like a reality TV show that he thinks is happening in his head. So tonight he said... With all the recently reported electronic surveillance intercepts, unmasking and illegal leaking of information, I have no idea whether there are tapes of or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. Now, my bullshit is not for Trump, because Trump, this is the most Trumpian thing that's happened. My black belt bullshit goes to every media commentator or senator that remotely took it seriously as if there could have been because we know he was lying of course he hasn't got recordings of these tapes quiet quiet he's just threatening he's a mobster this is what he's doing everyone knew but they had to it was just nauseating to see everyone go well you know if he's got tapes he should say something and it's like why are we still treating this man like he has a shred of dignity he's a mental patient he should be treated as compulsive liar, pathological liar. Don't be rude. Narcissist. Why are we still treating him like... I mean, I know he's the president. That, I mean, that's a scary thing and everything. I do feel a little bit sick every time you say that, yeah. President Trump, it's hard to say, isn't Ugh. it? But... I know I know what you mean. I think we've talked about this before, that it's so infuriating to watch... Uh, in really intelligent people debate one another on TV about what he me- meant by certain tweets. And this is this is why people are turning to late night comedians who are literally calling out his bullshit and being funny about it because they can and they they're not the news. There's no pressure. People are going to watch that now. Everyone's watching that because it's more truthful. To they want to hear the truth. On. Everyone knows he hasn't got. But it anesthetizes people, doesn't it? Because it does trivialize things, and you can always tell that because there's certain things yeah. you can't do. Mm. If Grenfell had happened in the United States, you're not going to get Jimmy Kimmel or Bill Maher doing ba-boom jokes about it, are you, at the end of the day? No, but they would talk about it. With the uh, global warming debate, the, the reason why we're screwed with global warming is because the media has always used the narrative of the argument about climate change instead of actually the, the facts of climate change. Mm. So they always report on the uh, debate around it instead of it. And that's what it is with with uh, with Trump because they're debating about is he lying or not? What's the argument? So the news is a discussion. It's yeah. not the actual facts that are at the bottom of any of it, which yeah. is why he's still president. And he's waiting to kill the stupid Americans. He's sending Ivanka Trump to Saudi Arabia to tell them that they've had flawless executions. Oh my God, we have to do an Ivanka Trump episode. Oh, next week. I keep forgetting. 
I, dedicate I, a whole episode to it. Well, well, you know, we were supposed to do Trump's 100 Days on the episode that never was, which is now this episode that's coming out after the next episode, yeah, which came out before. <laughs> but we, maybe we should do that. I want to do a Trump special, and I have yeah. an Ivanka Trump Impression. impersonation that'll blow your minds. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it Trump is special. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, hey, Marcia, what's that you're listening to there? Well, it's a new episode of the Verbal Ramblers podcast, Tom. Just a few young whippersnappers talking about current events, don't you know? Oh, I know. I didn't know. That's why I asked, March. Well, now you do, you ignorant fuck. So, we've come to the end of another enthralling episode of the Verbal Ramblers podcast. Series 2, episode 8, as it were. As we return to weekly content, we, uh, we welcome your... Comments, gripes and smart-ass remarks um, at facebook.com forward slash verbal ramblers. We very much appreciate your input and uh, we'd love to hear how you would like us to shape the podcast going forward. Yeah, give us some recommendations of things you'd like to hear us talk about. Yeah, we actually had someone contact us to ask if we would do a Facebook Live episode so they could argue with us in real time. Wow. (laughs) So maybe we could do that. In the future, at some point. I can think of some people that would love to argue with us in real time. Wow. Episodes. Yeah, we're talking about you, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Steph. Bye, Steph. Thank you. See you later, Steph. Thanks, Steph. Okay, bye. My, oh, my. What a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine in my way. Zip-a-dee-doo-dah, zip a dee